Greetings and salutations and welcome to the Trash Fire of Talk podcast with your host, Skits M. Jones. I am your host, Skits M. Jones. And, uh, oh man, what a week it's been. I'm so glad it's the weekend. Uh, this weather is absolutely repugnant, abhorrent, distressing, um, Humidity through the fucking roof, heat way too high for my liking, uh, and I, I work outdoors a lot, and I bounce in and out of freezers and coolers, and then being outside, and then in the air conditioning of the, of the truck, and then back outside again, so my body just has no idea how to uh, acclimate to, to what is going on out there. It's, it's rough, it's rough. Um, I've, uh, I've had a cough for like weeks. It won't go away. This weather is destroying me. My joints hurt. I'm getting old. Getting old sucks. It's the fucking worst. Everything hurts all the time. Um, but this isn't a podcast where I complain about shit. That's, that's not what this is about. This is a podcast of celebration. So let's celebrate some shit. Uh, game of microphones this past Thursday was so much fun. Uh, what a great crowd. What a great lineup. Um, congrats to Erica Switzer who won it. Uh, Visiting us from all the way out in fucking like Shanghai, I think she said she was doing uh, shows in Mongolia on like the Silk Road comedy thing. It it's wild hearing stories about stand up from other countries and and uh, apparently it's a lot of like uh, expats out there, um, you know. So it's still like an English uh, speaking and American sensibility kind of comedy scene but it's it's wild that's a wild thing um you know something i i haven't even thought of uh as as a thing is like going to other countries like i haven't even really gone to other states uh to do this yet so the thought of other countries is just fucking wild but so cool so uh yeah that was cool to hear about um the thing i want to talk about from game of microphones though is uh I got ribbed for the first time uh uh or if you're if you're not uh um a, a participator in the in the parlance of you know wrestling behind the scenes stuff I was I was pranked uh I was punked if you're into the whole uh MTV Ashton Kutcher angle of it but uh all right let me set the stage so <clears throat> In the uh, in the producers chat for for Game of Mics, myself, Alex, Walid, uh, we were all making sure we've got everyone's contact info and everything. You know, just getting shit ready for the show. And there was a question asked. I didn't have an answer. Uh, radio silence after that, and then I was like, "Hey, is there something I need to be doing?" And uh, fucking uh, Alex goes, "Yeah, I need uh, two pounds of yarn." And I laughed. I was like, that's it clearly fucking with me being facetious. Um, and then, uh, you know, so I, I, I goofed back. I was like, yeah, what color? 
blue. All right, that's very specific. Still probably fucking with me, though. Um, then I got a, uh, Then I get a message from Waleed. Hey, get some green, too, while you're at it. I was like, what the fuck? Are you guys fucking with me? Silence. No responses. So I was like, all right. I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm not going to go buy yarn. Because I don't need to buy yarn. But my fiance Kayla, is a kindergarten teacher. I'm sure we have yarn in the house. So I just borrow a bunch of her yarn. I'm like, hey, can I use this? It's it's apparently for a thing. I get to the show and they're like, yeah. Uh, headliner, Mike Maxwell, needs the yarn for a bit for uh, his act. I'm like, okay, cool. So... Um, they, they get, they get Mike in on it a little bit. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Need the yarn. Yeah, absolutely. And so then I'm told before I bring, uh, Mike out, I have to get covered, uh, head to toe in all of this yarn that I have. Uh, but the way the show is structured, that means I have to do all of the announcements, all of the uh, reintroducing of the comics for voting, the whole thing, because I do all of that, all of that before I bring out the headliner. So I have to do all of this while covered head to toe in yarn. So I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll do it. Go out in front of the crowd. I'm covered in yarn. I do the announcements. I bring Mike out. No immediate use of the yarn, nothing. And I'm like, okay, cool. So you know, I go back backstage and I'm waiting and, uh, I'm told, yeah, yeah. About mid set, about mid set. He'll need it. And I'm like, okay, and I'm, I'm listening to his set and about, about mid set. I'm going, you know what? These motherfuckers, they're fucking with me. They absolutely do not need the yarn. This is just, this is just uh, fuckery. So he finishes his set and now I have to go back out on stage and try and come up with an explanation for why I was covered in all of this yarn. Uh, which I, I think I did. I think I played it off pretty well. I uh, uh, riffed off uh, something that I had said during my opening uh, set, warming up the crowd and shit. So uh, I, I, I think I played it off pretty well. But, man, these motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um... Yeah, they, they, they fucking got me. And that's fine. You know, like, I am not uh, too proud to admit when I get taken in. And uh, it, was fu- it was funny. It was harmless. You know, like, clearly I'm not the type to be embarrassed, you know, or anything like that. And uh, it, was, it was good fun, you know. Um, everyone got a, a chuckle out of it. Uh, but it it was it was wild because it got me thinking back on uh you know when I was in pro wrestling ribs are obviously a thing um though i don't uh rib a rib is just what they call it when a wrestler pranks another wrestler or a whole locker room pranks a wrestler or whatever it is um but I can't really think of a time I got ribbed when I was in wrestling. Predominantly because, like, A, I ran all the the video camera shit for a good portion of my time 
in the company. And then I also did the commentary and I was also just pretty well liked. So no one ever really fucked with me in that regard. Um, so I never got ribbed in wrestling. So getting ribbed in comedy, uh, is, is kind of a trip for me. Um, I, I can think of something that I used to kind of do as a little bit of a rib with, uh, with wrestling back when I used to work for, uh, the company POW, uh, which is, is still running right now up in like Northern Illinois or whatever. Um, when I was doing commentary, it was me, uh, this dude, RJ and, uh, this dude, uh, Mr. Riccolo and Mr. Riccolo could be easily flustered sometimes. And upon realizing this, me and RJ would get an absolute kick out of seeing what we could say that would make Rick Lowe, like, lose his damn mind uh, while doing commentary. And often it was just... So, uh, RJ was the play-by-play. Rick Lowe was kind of play-by-play, color commentary... And then I was uh, straight up color commentary, heel commentator through most of my time, uh, or, or just a, a puckish rogue, if nothing else, um, but always a wise ass. And I would go on tangents about, because uh, I, I had uh, still been in the military pretty recently at that point uh, and was a medic in the military, so I would pull you know medical references for why certain moves worked certain ways. Um, you know, I, my favorite, uh, go-to is always the xiphoid process, which is the notch at the base of your sternum. So anytime someone dropped an elbow on someone, uh, on someone's sternum, I would, I would rant about the xiphoid process and, and things like that. Um, and it, it, it was never malicious. It was always just kind of like how, kind of off the rails or off the wall, a reference can I make that will uh, cause Riccolo to be like, that has nothing to do with anything that's happening in this match. What are you even talking about? Um, and so that was kind of fun. So that was my, that was the, the most like ribbing uh, that I was ever involved in to, to my recollection with regards to wrestling. Um Something uh, where I can definitely talk about uh, pranks and and punishments uh, was the military, especially basic training. Um, if one of the if one of the the troops ever left their wall locker unlocked, uh, it was fair game for the drill sergeants to fuck with it while we were away doing whatever training we had to do. So we would return to the barracks, and if there was a wall locker dumped out or flipped over or you know, whatever, we would know the drill sergeants had gone through. And at at one point, this dude just had excessive amounts of shaving cream in his wall locker. And so the drill sergeants uh, turned the wall locker over, unloaded all of the shaving cream into the wall locker with all of his clothes, his boots, his papers, his pens, his everything. Everything that was in this dude's wall locker was still in it. And then they filled it with shaving cream and then they turned it over so it was door side down. So he had to flip his wall locker back over, 
and and open it up and then boom all of his shit is just soaked in shaving cream uh so he had to stay up all night washing his shit polishing his his boots doing the whole deal um you know so shit like that uh big time fucking pranks was was what it was in the military and and that shit was wild um so yeah you know it's I have a not not the strongest relationship with pranks and things like that. Like I was never a, a prank phone caller or or anything like that when I was a kid. Um I I remember some of the most trouble that I got into in uh grade school was I egged the principal's house on Halloween. And it was cold, so all the all the egg goo congealed to the, uh, to the siding of the house. Um, so that, that was, I mean, fuck that principle. Like, to be fair, I hated that principle. Um, that principle fucked with me constantly. Uh, cause I, I was, I was a weird kid in grade school. I readily admit that I was weird in, uh, middle school too. I was a runt. I was, I was tiny. Um, I, uh, uh, was, was, I was weird. I was a weird kid and I had a bad relationship with a lot of my fellow students, had a bad relationship with a lot of my teachers and principal and whatnot. And so, yeah, it was a thing. Um, so that's, you know, I egged a house. I don't know if I ever TP'd or anything like that, or if I did, it was celebratory TP. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's my relationship with, with pranks and ribs and, and things like that. And you hear wild stories and maybe one of these days I'll get some of my cats from the breakfast club. That's, uh, some of the old wrestlers that I still keep in touch with from, from back when I first started, uh, wrestling all the way through today. We haven't gotten together for breakfast in a while. Everyone's just been so fucking busy, but, uh, um, maybe one of these days I'll get some, some members of the breakfast club, uh, my old tag partner, Deho. I'm sure he and I could have some great fucking stories. Um, and, and we'll talk about some old ribs and shit like that. I'll, I'll have guests again. I I've had one guest so far. I promise I will do, I will do more. Um, just time and, and navigating that shit. It's, it's difficult. It's tricky. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's the story of this week. It was fucking wild. Um, but again, Game of Mikes was a great show. I had fun. Everyone was, was fantastic. Uh, the, the crowd was fun. Um, we do Game of Microphones every Thursday. So, you know, make sure you turn out for that. Um, upcoming shit. I know I mentioned, uh, I don't know if I gave dates, but August 8th. Uh, I'll be, I won't be doing game of microphones. I will be doing still not Friday at two brothers. I haven't been to two brothers since, uh, uh, Kaiju was still running at two brothers. So I'm excited to go back and, and, and do a show there. Uh, I always, I I've seen some shows there. I always hear such great things from all the comics about how, how fun it is to do the Thursdays there. So I'm looking forward to that and, and I'm, I'm stoked on that. And then, uh, I'm going to be doing the the shots and giggles uh at Drunken Donut 
in in late August. I can't remember the date off the top of my head, but we've we've got like a month uh, before we need to worry about that. So yeah, so that's some stuff going on in August. I'll also be doing a, a guest spot on another podcast. Uh, I'm showing up on someone else's shit. Uh, I'll let you know more about that as it gets a little closer. But uh, yeah, got some stuff coming coming down the pike and uh, looking forward to all of it. So yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on there. Um, I'm starting to I'm starting to feel myself a bit more doing the doing the hosting thing. I had I had one rough week a few weeks back, but last week and this week I definitely feel like I'm I'm kind of finding my stride and have had some hot crowds that have been real responsive and and so yeah, I'm I'm having a I'm having a blast. I think I'm hosting again this coming Thursday, but. Uh, uh, either way, I'll be there. I'm either hosting or I'm running the soundboard, which means you'll get some sweet, tasty tunes out of my personal collection. So, either way, you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have some good shit. Um, so yeah, hope to see y'all at uh, at Game of Mics. Um, thanks to my friend Jen uh, who came out. It's always nice to have uh, nice to have a friend in the crowd. Um, so that was cool, and uh, yeah. Uh, moving on. What is the next segment? Oh yeah. The next segment is my recommendations. Um, when we talked about like pranks and shit like that, and, and this is also going to tie in a little bit, you know what? I'm going to flip the script a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to change shit up. Usually I will leave you with, uh, with the card read for the episode. That's usually the last thing, but I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to do that first. Um, because the stories of, of pranking and whatnot, and then this, uh, this card read, they're all going to play into my recommendations. So, uh, let's do the tarot pull. Uh, I did Oracle cards last couple episodes as I was getting familiar with that deck. I'm back in the tarot this week. I'm pulling from that nineties tarot, which is, uh, designed by Christy Prokopiak, uh, you can find uh, you can find her at uh, at Ritual Tarot on uh, the social medias and shit. Uh, today's card that we have pulled is the Two of Pentacles, and the Two of Pentacles is a card that is uh, all about the the juggling of projects, the the adrenaline rush of having a lot on your plate and and then spinning those plates. You know, this is the humor and the thrill of plate spinning and juggling and, uh, you know, keeping a lot of things going and, you know, having so many activities and so many things. Um, that's what the two of pentacles is about. And it's, it's early in the work stages, you know, so now is the time if you're, if you're juggling, if you're plate spinning, you know, however, whatever metaphor, simile, whatever you want to use, uh, for all the work you're doing, if you're doing it and some of it is just really fucking dragging you, it's just really, really upsetting you, uh, figure out if you can dump that shit. Like, if some of it is shit that's not not working to your benefit, see if you can offload that shit and focus on the the other shit, the, the shit that you're getting uh, fulfillment from or getting a charge from or getting more excitement from. Um, work, on, work on that shit. Uh, you know... One of the main things with the with the two of Pentacles is uh, flexibility, you know, because to to be able to do a lot of things, you have to be flexible. You have to be uh, multifaceted. 
Uh, and then another main feature of the Two of Pentacles is authenticity. You know, the more you are your truest self, the better a job you're going to be doing at handling all of the, the tasks in front of you. Because you're not going to be worried about putting on an artifice. You know, you're not going to be worried about wearing masks or, or covering up who you really are. You know, that, that the, the relinquishing of, of those, uh, those false faces that we wear, um, giving that up frees you up a little more to focus on the tasks, you know. So if you're being true and you're being authentic, it's one less thing to worry about, you know, because you're just being you. That's That should just be the most natural thing. Uh, and that'll allow you more of your, your mental focus to work on the, the juggling of, of various projects. So flexibility, something to dwell on going forward. And authenticity. Be yourself in the truest form you can be. And this is especially for my performance people. Like, unless, unless your performance is based on a fallacy, a character, a, a mask, a trope, unless that's your gig, which for some people it is. Like, you might be wearing a false face in order to get at real truths. And that is a, a whole different, you know, kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I can definitely speak for myself. The more I have kind of dropped uh, the 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 artifice of of projection of of uh, uh, roles that I'm supposed to play, and the more I just kind of embrace what I who I am and who I want to be, and things like that the better things have gotten for me consistently across the board. Um, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time kind of code switching, you know, uh, putting on more masculine uh, traits for various situations, various places. And as soon as I dropped that for comedy, my comedy got better. As soon as I, I stopped trying to be, you know, jeans and a, a black t-shirt or, or, or a, a work, a button down work shirt. And I just started being the flamboyant fucking weirdo that I am. My comedy got better. I got better at it because I was just feeling more, uh, natural and more authentic and more comfortable. Uh, same thing with the band, you know, uh, with uncouth, I, I was crafting this, this look and this aesthetic and this persona, you know, wearing battle vests and a lot of like, scuzzy ripped up pants and and things like that um and as soon as i ditched all that and just started dressing as myself you know uh heels and you know flowy shirts and pants with patterns on them and and you know being more myself my performances got better and we started getting more uh recognition almost overnight for for the stage performance and what we do, um, you know, so becoming my more authentic self has absolutely benefited me in every element of, of what I do. And so I, I would put forth that if there is an element of yourself that you have been hiding, um, that you wish you could bring out in performance, fucking do it. 
Like, just fucking do it and see what happens. Um, I, I think it will make a world of difference for you. So that is, that's what I want you to dwell on coming out of the tarot pull is uh, authenticity and, and humor and the, the thrill of juggling uh, a number of things. And, and yeah, just being authentic and weird. And on the subject of authentic and weird, here are your song recommendations. So Iggy Pop has a new album coming out in September uh, called Free. And it's follow-up to 2016's post-pop depression. And it looks like it is a, a stark departure from the vibe of post-pop depression. Post-pop depression, I, I saw in concert, it was a, a collaboration with Josh from Queens of the Stone Age and a lot of like desert rock musicians. And it had a, a groove and a vibe to it. And it, it, you know, it bounced and it, 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 it had swing. It was a, a real great album. Um, and it was, it was alive. It was very alive. And, uh, um, you know, great performance when I saw, when I saw Iggy do it. Um, but this album looks like it is almost an answer to coming off of that post-pop depression tour cycle um, where uh, there's a lot more introspection and the the sound is relaxed and, and the, the first track that's dropped, also called Free, uh, just has Iggy uh, speaking, uh, repeating the phrase, I want to be free over a slow jazz trumpet. And that's the track. Like, it's just Iggy Pop speaking, I want to be free. And there was a little bit of that hinted at in the lyrics of uh, post-pop depression as well. A, a desire to kind of escape it all and, and get away from the trappings of modern society. And uh, so it's wild to see that as a... Uh, a, a theme that is uh, being glommed onto and 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 harkened back to by Iggy in this in this new uh, track and in this new album. Um, Iggy Pop has always been just such a weird figure in music, and I have a, a deep affinity for Iggy Pop. And uh, so I'm, I'm giving you two Iggy Pop songs. First one, check out the new song called Free off the, the upcoming album. Uh, but let's contrast that. Let's go all the way back to the beginning and the 1969 debut album by Iggy Pop's old band, The Stooges. Um, my favorite track off that album, though not my favorite version of this track, uh, the track is I Want to Be Your Dog. So we're going from... Uh, you know, Iggy now talking about I want to be free to going back to the beginning and I want to be your dog, which is a, a frantic and a, aggressive track with, you know, distorted guitars, super crunchy, uh, sleigh bells jingling in the background while Iggy begs for subjugation at the hands of the listener uh, or the intended audience for this song. Um, so we've, we've, we've come from you know, 1969, Iggy Pop wants to be, uh, wants, wants to be the, the pet, wants to be, 
uh, wants to lay at the feet of someone uh, to, you know, 2019, uh, Iggy Pop wants to be free and wants to escape it all and doesn't want the, the shackles or, or a leash. Um, so that, that's a wild, uh, swing over, what are we talking? Uh, 69, 79, 89, 99, uh, 2009, 50 years, right? If I'm doing this math right. Yeah. Uh, in 50 years, Iggy Pop has gone from wanting to be your dog to wanting to be free. And that's so wild to me. Um, that that's, it's very cool. Uh, I, I talk about, um, you know, uh, the, the track off the, the debut album, uh, is not my favorite version of this song. My favorite version is the live recording of it that was featured on the Crow 2 soundtrack. Uh, the Crow 2 soundtrack bangs. That album is killer. You've got Iggy Pop on there. You've got Hole on there. You've got White Zombie on there. You've got uh, Filter on there. Deftones are on there. PJ Harvey, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is on there. Like, so many great tracks. And you know what? I think the movie The Crow 2 doesn't get enough credit uh, as a flick. It's a, a really fun follow-up to the original um, with the, the carryover of the character of Sarah, now played by Mia Kirshner, uh, uh, Thomas Jane, who you may recognize as the Punisher, uh, was in the movie. Um, oh God, it was, it was a real fun movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, the ending is a little weak, um, but that's because the ending was rewritten to be a happy ending. Originally, uh, spoilers for Crow 2, uh, you know, the, the plot of the movie is the, the dude comes back from the dead to get vengeance for the murder of himself and his son uh, at the hands of this drug ring gang thing. Iggy Pop is a member of that gang as well. Iggy is like the, the secondary, uh, like, mini-boss uh, in the movie. Uh, having a lot of fun playing the role too, clearly. Um, and, uh, uh, Vincent Perez, who you may also know from, uh, Queen of the Damned played Marius. Um, Vincent Perez plays the role of, of Ash, who is the crow in this one and does a great job of it. Had a good look, well acted. I, I like him. Um, and his, uh, his arc is, you know, he comes back to get his vengeance, but along the way he falls in love with Sarah, who was the, the young girl in the first movie, now all grown up and living in, in, uh, Los Angeles, falls in love with Sarah and because of that ruins his mission and forgets what he was brought back from the dead to do. And the original ending was because of that, uh, Sarah dies in, in the climactic battle. Um, but he is left to roam the earth forever because he didn't just come to enact revenge. He got caught up in mortal shit. Uh, so he doesn't get to go, uh, cross over and be reunited with his son. 
and he doesn't get to live with Sarah because Sarah is dead. So he's just doomed to wander the earth forever. And I thought, what an outstanding ending that would be where he's just, it's just a miserable ending. Like, that's wild. Um, and, uh, you know, they wanted to go for a happier ending. So Sarah still dies. Uh, but Ash gets to, uh, cross over and return to his son and I don't know, whatever. Um, still an enjoyable movie, uh, stylistically fun. It's very yellow. It's like very yellow. Whereas the first movie is very blue. This one's very yellow. Uh, I am unabashedly a mark for the Crow franchise. I have the logo for that movie tattooed below my belly button. I've done some material about that in my standup. Um, played a big role in my life, that movie did. I'll go into that at some point, maybe. But, uh, yeah. So there you go. Um, check out uh, Iggy Pop's new album. Go back and listen to some old Iggy Pop. Go watch Crow 2 if you if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while and you kind of forgot it or dismissed it because, you know, the first was iconic and then Brandon Lee died in every movie since. They've been like, well, it's not the original. Clearly, clearly it's not. It was never going to be. But give the second one another watch or at the very least listen to that soundtrack because it fucking bangs. And uh, that's, that's what I want to leave you with today. Um, go out there. Be your most authentic, weird, fucked up self. You know, uh, do, do you. And uh, as always, uh, keep that trash fire burning, y'all. <laughs>